0: Welcome to another episode on the Phoenix Rising Podcast. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and today I have Bunny Loveshock on the show with me. Reverend Bunny Loveshock is a retired luxury producer and celebrity wedding planner, now somatic prosperity coach, ordained interfaith minister, and Enneagram teacher with 25 years' experience in people, personal business, and leadership. She is a multi six figure CEO, a 10 Plus million dollar fundraiser with her work cited in multiple books. Bunny has lived a life of balanced amount of genius and oh, for fuck's sake, moments. From London Fashion Week to opening five star hotels in Dubai, creating rituals and blessings for businesses worldwide, representing Scotland in 2021 at the UN Climate Change Conference and coaching Olympians actors from shows such as Game of Thrones and Glow, to coaches, CEOs and everything in between people what make people and what makes them tick like a swiss timepiece are her jam her work invites you to softly and sustainably unlock your nervous system so you get to create more capacity for greater joy success prosperity magic love and satisfaction at every level backed by science, rich in spirit and full of strategy her approaches are coveted for whole human health Mm, can't wait to sink into the magic of this episode Here with the beautiful Bunny Love Shock today, and I'm so excited to see what magic unfolds with this conversation. So, welcome, Bunny. And to start, we will dive right in to the big question of what is the story that has brought you to the work that you are offering the world today?
1: Mm, thank you. Well, first of all, it's really lovely to be here and have this conversation, and secondly, yeah, what has brought me to the work that I'm doing today. I'm I'm ever more curious on a personal level about how I might make it easier for myself and other people to retire the strategies that I've been working with or living with for probably quite a long time and and how we might retire those strategies and, and adapt and adopt to some new ones, which might be in better service to us. A little bit like I'm not still riding a bicycle with training wheels on it because I outgrew those. I'm not wearing as much as I love them, my patent baby doll shoes that I had when I was five. Um, And so the strategies that I might use in, in being a presence of love for myself or for other people, or the strategies I might use in relationship to myself or other people those are things which I have an acute and ongoing curiosity about and to really realize that although we've heard it a lot that everyone is doing the best that they can in the moment that they're in they really really are you know people really are and One of my superpowers is really being able to help people see things differently. And so what brings me to the work that I'm doing today is also the innate compassionate capacity to say, oh, that's interesting. You think that that's uh, you think you have to get rid of your fear, for example. But but my perspective might be, well, you know, you have a right to that fear that's there for a reason that's really important so we don't have to do anything about that today you know what would you what would you like to talk about what would you like to explore and you and you know and immediately in giving people permission and immediately in opening up that space that for example fear is allowed to be present it has a purpose it's there the strategy has already changed the approach to life has already changed the uh, the window of tolerance, as it's sometimes referred to in somatics, has opened a little wider to let a little bit of fresh air come in and tickle our cheeks and, and create something new. And, and really, if I'm in the business of anything, it's creating more of that type of art in the world. Mm,
0: I love that. It's like holding the opposites are holding the fear yeah and maybe the possibility it's like yes ever get rid of the fear that's no not gonna happen but can you hold that fear and Mm. also maybe move into something the possibility or the dreams as well yeah Yeah. it's like that tension of opposites I think is a I love that yeah or something it's like can you hold the grief but still be in bliss. It's like, we're so multidimensional multifaceted that it's not one or the other. Mm. Mm. And with that, what I really received from that was almost like moving away from these old paradigms of living and moving into something new. Mm. And I know that your work is a lot around a lot about prosperity Mm -hmm. and wealth and following your joy and what lights you up yep. and just like living that like turned on life, which is very different from what we've been conditioned to live mm-hmm. by, I'll use the terms of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And so with that, like moving out of the old ways and into the new ways, what does wealth and abundance look like in the new way?
1: Mm. Oh, I love that question. I just knocked my ring on my cup then as an affirmation. Yeah, ding. <laughs> my body was like, yes, let's let's chink that. Let's cheers that. I really love that. Well, you know, the part before that, I think, to be able to, to answer that is that there, there is this place of um, defining what prosperity, wealth, abundance, joy, goodness is for me. And then also that's something that I support my clients in to be able to identify because more often than not, we're, we're, we're living it much more than we realize, but we've been trained to think it's got to be something, something else. So there's this space here of, you know, for, for me, prosperity and wealth includes my connection to nature it absolutely includes beauty um beauty is one of my highest values and and it's often the first thing to go in war for example you know areas of beauty areas of of what we might think of as procreation growth um yeah you know art the this the things that keep a soul really thriving are are often attacked and so indeed when we're at war with ourselves or when we're at war with one another we we tend to attack what's really beautiful in one another and in, in the world so for me really really understanding that beauty was a high value and that I, I get to choose to live a beautiful life that has meaning for me is something that it's interesting when we talk about um we kind of old, old world and the new world because f- for me I, f- I feel we've been in this middle, middle world almost and actually there was a world before this world well there's been many worlds you know we look at uh, the lands that would be known as uh, Mesopotamia or Kemet or the original lands now known as Australia or even New zealand and indeed into the into the into the isles around the lands now known as as you know europe or the uk and 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 into the lands of um of the americas canada um, south america beauty has existed for eons it's been an incredible part of ceremony and, and ritual and the the recognition of it therefore and and i i feel that we're kind of circling back to to how it has been, but along the way it became interrupted through yeah a variety of, of systemic interruptions and and different and different um, systems. So now you know it really includes beauty, it includes connection, it absolutely includes reveling in joy and bliss and um and also, again, perhaps from that place of holding that which is opposite, knowing that as I I grow my capacity and support other people to grow their capacity for prosperity, which has a meaning to them, you know, which absolutely does include money, uh, it will that will also, you know, allow the body to therefore present what isn't those things, what isn't those things. So, you know, what's sometimes referred to as a joy hangover, you know, everything was so great yesterday. And then I woke up today and I just I just feel terrible, like, oh, what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. In fact, what you did was so miraculous. You created so much space in your body, something that was trapped or stuck, something that's been living in your cells, something which couldn't find a way to the lymphatic system, for example, couldn't find a way out, managed to like a little pinball machine through your body of joy find a pathway to say hey there is a sensation it's not very comfortable that would love a little bit of care and attention and compassion and and here i am and here i am so for me also in that space there is knowing that with with great prosperity there there comes all the other things that i might not have been able to experience or feel Um, in the moments or the times that they were being experienced or couldn't be felt and we might think of that as an interruption to peace or we might think of that as as trauma you know small t or indeed capital t depending upon the circumstances and so prosperity for me also includes this just absolutely human biological magic of making friends or being friendlier towards all of the sensations that are alive in my body at any one time that can only be felt and be befriended when I have capacity and capacity and increasing capacity for joy is a, is a big key for unlocking more prosperity um, particularly when it comes to health and wealth and particularly when it comes to money because wealth work for me is nervous system work so it is very helpful To begin to learn how to feel safer being a custodian of more, of having more than what you actually might need. And that can be quite confronting as well. Yeah. I
0: had somebody say to me the other day it's like if you want to experience vast amounts of joy, it's almost like you have to experience the opposite as well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, that kind of clicked something within me. And so what it spoke to when you were um, speaking that so beautifully was like, your shadows will come up, your triggers Mm -hmm. will come up within the Mm -hmm. body of what might keep you separate Mm -hmm. from vast amounts of joy or prosperity or Mm -hmm. um, love or however it wants to show up. And there's such a beautiful invitation with that to go into the the cave that you might fear the most, if that mm-hmm. resonates, where when we're incre- increasing our capacity, we're increasing our pain, our pleasure, our ex- full experience of this human embodiment. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and that again, you know, there's something in here too that you, you get to take the candle light with you, particularly, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot I've certainly witnessed in, in recent years. And, you know, I've been, I've been involved in this work for, well, really my whole life, having grown up in, um, in spiritualist churches, having had all of my family being able to see through, you know, the veils as we, we might perceive them, or, or to see that which is not in, in the room. Or, to see those that might not have a body, but they're very present, or to have that real innate sense and connection, which is also very human, you know, by the way, for for everyone that's listening, you know magic is innately human. Knowing what is present, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily have a physical essence, but it has a a felt sense to it is is also very human. and and taking the taking the candlelight, yeah, into the cave. It can move for me from this place of frustration, for example, um, I don't want to go into the dark. You know, I really I'm, I don't want to hang out with any more monsters. Um, no, I'm good. I don't need to look under the bed. That's OK. You know, these kind of wonderful things that even we might bring from our childhood to, oh, you know, I think I left something really vitally important about myself in there. Or I think I forgot something about myself that seems to be involved in this quest and for me to recognize more of myself as a presence of love or allyship or activism or intrepid exploring humor. I'm going to have to do some of this journey at night. I'm going to have to do some of this journey by moonlight, which is to say sometimes the path will be quite clear. And, and other times you just will have no idea about really where you're stepping. and you know. And sometimes you are gonna really step in some shit and have to wash your shoes off at the next river, but there you go, you get to wash your shoes off at the next river. And sometimes you'll discover something that you're like, to me, it always feels like a coming home. It does feel like a remembrance. It does feel like, oh, that's where I put you. I knew you were in here somewhere you know i knew you were in here somewhere and and the reason i offer that language as well is that for a few years i've really noticed and i've done this too you know as there's been this invitation to reclaim power or step into power or um you know to um to be your power whereas you know somehow that still feels a little bit like all of that is outside of me and innately as humans we do know that there is this multitude of there are oh my goodness you know so many systems that are running in us at any one time human spiritual etheric mystical practical all these wonderful things you know um but remembering my power remembering is gentler somehow it just means you know again in in the busyness of being human I really forgot where I, where I put my favorite pair of shoes, but I'm gonna find them at some point. I know they're in the house, right? I know they're in the house, and when I offer it like that, it becomes more palatable and almost more digestible. It's not so it's not so much a will I ever remember who I am or or how do I reclaim this power that's outside of me? but it's this space of that's there too. You know, everything's okay, and there's something which might want some attention and can I be friendly or bring a friendliness to that and then again how might I use ritual or ceremony or or support how might I sit with someone how might I walk with someone Um, who's done this before or yeah who looks like actually you know and as you said as you were sharing there you know like perhaps to experience more joy we it means we have to, you know, or it doesn't mean we have to, but, but it can often be a person's experience and it's certainly mine, that there is there is a huge amount of the challenge and and that was, you know, my experience. There's a, a huge amount of violence in my, in my upbringing, my teenage years and my twenties, there were multiple, you know, near-death experiences. There has been financial control, you know, poverty, there's been bullying, there's been all sorts of things that have happened that I've continued... To roll my heart sleeves up you know to um to to continue to look for the joy to continue to look for the gold and think you know and now you know in my in my 40s to recognize oh gosh you know every one of those humans had a very set of particular circumstances that led to a very particular set of strategies that had them coming from a place of insecure or secure bonding that meant they either were feeling a sense of safety safer safest or not and so there's a huge amount that again then reminds me yeah ah you know like if i think of bits of myself that i've forgotten as my favorite shoes or you know i've got that article somewhere then again it just means it's a it's a gentler invitation to come home and then be more fulfilled to be more satisfied to be more prosperous
0: Mm, it's like that candle is within it just is wanting to be seen and loved Mm -hmm. and adored Mm -hmm. and that that power is always within Mm. so for you with that um the unseen Mm. and you know the seen army the spiritual army that we have across the veil Mm. the ones that are always supporting us how does ritual and ceremony come into play for you to Um, feel that support and love that is Mm. always there even in you know maybe the darkest moments
1: Mm, mm. I love that question and you know it's it's interesting one of the things that's come to me in in the last year in fact is around this idea that if if I where I am now and I, I would prequel this by saying so much of my study has been incredibly formal so any craft that I have gone into has been a very long formal path with, with a, lot, a lot that has to be done uh, kind of before, during and after in terms of ritual or ceremony and particularly, you know, um, going into seminary um, and studying uh, to become an ordained interfaith minister and and reverend. So there's a, there's a huge amount of formality that exists in those spaces, indeed, as we see in Hinduism. And Buddhism and often the, the, the practice of nature craft, or we might know it as Wiccan or witchcraft or or any any other faith path or tradition. And for me, something that I didn't realize really until um, maybe the last year or so was that in fact every time I might seek connection, I was I was suggesting I was disconnected. I was suggesting that connection wasn't there. Um, every time I might have prayed for protection I was suggesting I was not already protected you know I wasn't already protected and so for me now I it's difficult for me really to say where ritual or ceremony begins and ends because it's such a um, it is it's in it's in everything it's just it's in everything that I do from and I think it continues as I sleep, because I, I wake up in prayer, I wake up in ritual, I wake up in gratitude. This is um, it is a long time of training, of of repeating those things. Um so it's yeah, it's difficult to to put a, a a beginning in and an end to it. And and when it comes to that sort of calling in, you know, my, my prayer can often be again you know remind me of what I've forgotten you know remind me of what I've forgotten remind me of of who I am already connected to seen and unseen that's already here you know show me the signs that I have missed today you know show and show them to me gently with ease and with grace always none of us need to clatter through any more difficult circumstances to be reminded that we too are are connected and and then there's this there's this um you know really this perception I think as well which has landed more with me particularly from what we might consider indigenous cultures is this idea you know of, of what I am dreaming of it is also dreaming of me you know what I am dreaming of is also dreaming of me what you are dreaming of is also dreaming of you that there there isn't really this relationship with other in the sense of, again, anything being outside of us, it's, it is that, that candle is within us, that cauldron is within us, that that wisdom library is within us. And all of those being of different sizes and brightnesses and capacities that are right for the quest and the, and the journey that we are, we are each on. So for me, I, I would say these days I focus on being reminded of the connection that's, that's, that's right here. A very practical example of that is for for um, for a while I had multiple generational photos, you know, out in the house, but the presence was so vast, it really felt like I had, you know, 85 guests permanently pottering about the house and I had to sort of say to everybody listen. I'm going to put you all in a beautiful guest room called a photograph album, (laughs) you know, and you're going to get to move in there and you're going to have loads of space and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be lovely. Um, And there was this, just this really gentle conversation on walking past, you know, like the the family photographs and being like, you know, I'm going to look at you all the time, but I'm going to need to view you in the guest room. And there being this consensus that that was, you know, that was, that was okay to, to do. So there's something in here that I would offer around, um, you know, practicing remembering you're you're already connected. Um, practicing remembering that the that which is a guide for you is is never leaving you. It's never leaving you. Um, and you know when that starts to make that idea of um, things like, oh, I left myself, or I'm the one who's not present, or um, you only take yourself with you wherever you go. That starts to make some of those kind of sentences and phrases make a, a little bit more sense. That that again, you know, biologically, how could I not be connected to everything? I don't have solid edges. My mind just gives me the perception or perceives that I do. It's it's as much as is blowing around in the breeze, is blowing through me as atop me and and I. I it also so there's something in there again yeah what is dreaming what I am dreaming of is dreaming me and in that connection space I I I would hope that I create um you know just a beautiful seat at the table for for that which is dreaming me to to also arrive so it too gets to live what it wishes
0: Mm, yeah what spoke to me with that was well first with the ritual and ceremony it's like everything can be ritual and ceremony it doesn't need to be a big ta-da moment you know <laughs> there's oh, I have to do this I have to do that because then it starts to feel unnatural or mm-hmm. almost forced. Mm-hmm. where every moment can be a ritual and ceremony it's just recognizing that everything is all around and within mm-hmm. always there's nothing that's separate from us in the unseen mm-hmm. realms and that and the maybe the mind is what can make us think that we're separate in those mm-hmm. darkest moments or we're completely mm-hmm. alone. But it's always there. So that ritual mm-hmm. can be making a cup of tea. It can be a prayer. Sure. It can be yeah. anything that um holds reverence in our heart or or however it wants to show up. So with that, like I love how you said that what's what I'm dreaming of is dreaming of Mm -hmm. me as well. Um, And so what does it look like to open ourselves to receive our heart's deepest desires? You know, Mm because oftentimes it's like, I'll use myself as an example, like calling in my beloved, but there might be something within me that's like, it's not safe for Mm -hmm. me to have my beloved or, you Mm -hmm. know, we can close ourselves off from receiving what it is that we truly desire. So does anything come forward for you of how we start to like open that capacity
1: to receive? Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, mm. there's so there's so there's so much in there, and what I would offer off off the kind of bat is that um you're already receiving where we're we're already receiving. um we're just not so focused on that because it's already happening um you know and and sometimes with the things that have great meaning to us um and because the body mind and you know or the brain mind certainly is a is a meaning making machine um when we feel like things are missing we can yeah we can start to make meaning you know out of that so then we wonder where it is and and indeed what we have to do in in order to receive it again as if as if and it might be something that that is outside. Um, So how yeah, how do we create, how do we create, I would say, more capacity, so greater capacity to to receive more. And I would say even here, I might use the word interchangeably receive and experience you know to experience more because sometimes I think the word receive can have a lot of connotations to it and and it's this again it's this thing that it's it's so outside of us but actually oh what's it like to it's almost like what's it you know you go to your favorite restaurant and you're like I'm gonna have the blah 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 because you always have that but then one day you're like you know I'm gonna order something different and everyone is like seriously but you always order blah blah blah, and you're like, "Yeah, I know, but I just feel like tasting something different today. I just feel like experiencing something different." So I would I would offer it with that lightness too. You know, the, there are serious things, but not all things are serious. So even that as a practice, you know, going to a bistro, a cafe, um, a restaurant that you love, that you regularly go to, and that you regularly order the same thing from. What would it be like to order something different and what would it be like if that feel even if that feels a bit stretchy what would it be like to think about ordering something a wee bit different and then being in the anticipation of that experience hmm, i wonder what those flavors would be like you know do i really want to experience that flavor today well that's interesting Oh, well, you know, I just noticed that there's part of me that's like, oh, yeah, but hey, we're going to miss out on our favorite. We're going to miss out on what we usually have if we order that other thing. So here's another part to this. You could order both. You could order what you're used to and you could order something new. And then so you're almost, you know, bi- biologically, we talk about that as in training ourselves. So, you know, the thing that I really like and I love and that I'm used to is here. And the thing which is new, which I think that I'm going to like, and I think that I could love, and that I think I might want more of, that's also here, but it's not the only thing that's here. I've got what I feel safer with. I've got what I enjoy. I've got what I um, I know satisfies me. Oh, and look, I'm just going to have a little sip of this thing and just check out how I respond to it. And so even in the conversation, you can feel there's a softening of expectation, right? There's a, there's a, there's a, um, there's, it becomes an availability a little bit like that, that um, your fear has a place here, your insecurities have a place here. We're holding, we're holding really the, I want to say gentle tension between what is and what wants to be. It's you know, it's a little bit like, you know, when the baby is born, the mother doesn't disappear, right? It's not suddenly like, oh ta-da, offspring. And then poof, the mama goes somewhere. Actually, more of mother becomes available. More of mother becomes available in this, what can feel like a very strange thing, you know, this that came from within that is now without. It's it's outside of us. So to circle back to that question around of, you know, that the how do we create um or how do we create I would say you know an environment for something to be received think here possibly about the word received being interchangeable with experience look to the experiences that you're already having you know really beautiful things like what what's your favorite shower gel that every time you get in your shower you're like I love this but yet sometimes you'll find yourself in like "Hmm, I might quite like a new one you know At mid 40s, I'm still looking for the perfect shampoo, right? You know, like, come on, it's got to be out there somewhere. (laughs) You know, I still feel like I haven't found it yet. And similarly with taste, because for me, so much of life is about all of the senses and, uh, you know, those seen and unseen. What does this new experience taste like? What does this new experience feel like? You know, gosh, there is part of me that doesn't feel safe safest around this potential new experience new person and new amount of money in my bank account you know especially for example if you had um, experiences in childhood of say um having to finish all the food on your plate you weren't brought up knowing that there was more than enough you know you were brought up to finish everything it's what a lot of my clients do they finish all their money they finish all their the food on their plate before the before more money comes in They're not, they didn't get it modeled that they could have a little bit left on their plate or they could have a little bit left in the bank that could become more. Similarly, with love, or what we might think of as romantic partnership. They didn't get to model or witness people who who also had a relationship with themselves, who also had a a bank of, of goodness and pleasure and satisfaction that they stoked the fire of themselves and they created something with another person you know, and then we have that really challenging thing that happens in the zeitgeist, especially around some, um, around some spiritual coaching, you know, if you're looking for sacred partnership, you have to love yourself first, if if you, there's so much tenderness and grief in that, because if you never experienced it, and you haven't experienced it, it can really feel like, you know, the kangaroo in the living room, and you live in Denmark, right, it's just something that is not usual, so, you know beginning to even spend time with people that you experience witnessing a loving relationship of one or more other person what's it like to spend some time there you know what's it like to witness people who interact with dignity and compassion and friendliness wow you know that can be really transformative You know, and then you just get to recognize, oh, you know, actually, it's a little bit of that I would also like. What's it like to spend time with families, you know, who have a healthy, loving, compassionate, dignified, respectful environment and relationship with one another? You know, what's it like to watch animals and how they tumble and equally then how they have a nibble of one another's neck and everything that's in the anima, which is also us? So then in these spaces, I'm going to order what I love and I might also order something new to try. This does feel scary. That's okay. You know, I would like to be in sacred partnership. I'm also not sure about it because I don't know what it actually means. That's okay too. But what I am going to also do is allow myself to maybe start to witness some modeling of where that, that looks interesting. And I might go talk to some people who, Who appear to be modeling that in quite a likable and lovable way. So then I might start to experience more of that modeling. So I might start to feel a little bit safer considering some of that for for me. You know, I'm gonna bring all my parts with me as I as I do that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn, you know, what I what if what I again, what I want is also wanting me, but yet I don't have any experience of that, then I'm gonna allow myself. spend some time in some environments where i get to experience that but it's not that it's happening to me it's that i get to order something different on the menu and i'm fully supported by what already feels safe or safer safer i think the earth is really important there
0: yeah i love that it's like curiosity and wonder and awe and just leaning into it but not like not jumping off a cliff you're not throwing yourself into something it's like really meeting yourself where you're at and leaning into a new experience or just getting curious about a new yeah. experience and however that wants to show up and what does that do for the nervous system
1: yeah yeah well there's so much there and thank you for for asking that you know if you're in a place of your your nervous system being interrupted and you know for for some people listening they might know that is essentially being dysregulated um which would mean that you would go into one of the you know your body could throw you into a variety of states i really want to say that fight and flight are not the same thing (laughs) you know they're very very different states um and and for the purposes of today you know you may know the the Fs, as it were, the fight, the flight, the freeze, or indeed the phone responses is being more researched at the moment. But I, I don't want to linger too much on the naming of those for the for the very important reason that if you're essentially noticing, I'm going to use the word arousal or a heightened or peak experience in yourself, so increased heart rate. You feel your tummy droppings like the bottom of your boots or your temperature goes up or you might find, um, yeah, maybe the chin is leading or you're like a bit argumentative or maybe you do notice you suddenly want a nap. It is enough to know that any of those things and many, many more things are reactions which are being inspired by a strategy that you might have used and we might call that a bonding strategy from somatic attachment therapy that is that your you know the between the strategy and your body's practice states the reaction and the state change gives you so much information without you feeling like you have to really get into the nuts and the bolts of everything that that could be you know so i really hope that also just alleviates some um self-diagnosis That has to go on when it when it comes to that but here's the thing when when you're feeling good when you're feeling okay when something is feeling easy that's the place that you want to start to explore some change when you have what we refer to as capacity when you've got inner capacity for something in your outer capacity to look a little bit different you know so again it's very much about that for me and for me things like growing your confidence or increasing um, your clarity, or even things like feeling more competent at, at any of these, you know, sort of practices that we're just tickling the tummy of here today in this in this conversation, they all depend on what capacity you have in the moment, which is essentially another way of saying how much energy you have to give something. So it's really important for me as a, you know, as a somatic coach and as a, um, a somatic archetypal and you know, kind of Enneagram guide in a way, that it all comes down to what capacity do you have? So for example, if I said to you, do you fancy going to uh, for a lock swim and then some lunch? You'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe that feels good. Okay, you're considering what it means to pack. Maybe we have to get in a vehicle, go to the lock in the water and get in the cold water. That takes a huge amount of energy, you know, get dressed and then potentially socialize after that through breaking bread. So there's a there's a lot there. Maybe you do have capacity for all of that, but also maybe what happens is actually by the time we kind of get organized and we get to the water, you're like, do you know what, I'm actually just going to paddle. I've realized I don't have capacity to get into this cold water, come out, do all the things. I'm going to paddle. I think I'd still like to go for lunch. Now, equally, we could do that and we could get to the restaurant and you could still say, you know, I thought I had capacity for lunch, but I actually don't. Um, I'm just going to have a cup of tea. Or in fact, I'm going to I'm just going to head home. Beautiful. The whole way through that, what is happening is and this is certainly the way I work. You know, you're 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 remembering nearly saying the word claiming there and there could be some claiming to it. Remembering you have agency and authority of yourself. I I get to practice making better and better decisions for me. I get to recognize the sensations which my body is sharing with me that alert me to what capacity I do or do not have. If I'm having a heightened experience to an invitation, that's already actually taken us cost quite a lot in that exchange. So I think we're probably good if I feel like I've been inspired and um, lovingly expanded knowing that I can contract again at any time just like the breath which is safe then I'm gonna also allow myself to make a decision kind of beat by beat moment by moment about um about this situation I, I think we could all attest to would be we've been in a situation that you end up saying well it felt like a good idea at the time <laughs> it felt like a good idea at the time but you know you book something two weeks later it gets to that two weeks later you're like i don't have the capacity today so the work that we're talking about here you know growing capacity paying attention to the nervous system being supported in that walking with someone or sitting with someone, all of these elements combined with strategies, lived experience, what's going on in the body of you in the day that you're in, they all contribute to what's possible when it comes to transformation and change. And we're only really supposed to be doing that work in a, a very, very small amount of time in every given week. It's not supposed to be 24-7. <laughs> and I think that's really important. I wouldn't see my teacher um, or any of my coaches or therapists for more than, say, an hour a week, unless we were doing a very specific workshop or um, an integration or something was happening. That is one hour out of seven days of many, many hours. That's plenty. That's absolutely plenty. As you grow capacity, as you become, um, I'm going to use the word stronger here. And what I mean by that is you move from like a thimble, maybe to an egg cup, maybe to a teacup, eventually to a bucket, eventually, eventually to be able to understand how to self-source and how to self-regulate and do all the really yummy, delicious things which support the nervous system, then that's where, again, you can start to decide if you want to order what you've always ordered and listen sometimes, that's absolutely okay. Or if you want to try something a little bit new, when you've got capacity, when you're feeling supported and encouraged, and you're feeling like you could do it for a, a wee while, knowing again that you can change your mind and that everything, including the decisions you are making with and for yourself, are consent-led and they're consent-led from you and for you.
0: Yeah, how does co-regulation play in? Just because you spoke to self-sourcing and um, regulating your yourself, but as humans, I believe we're like, Pack animals. I don't know why (laughs) that term that came to mind. We're not meant to be alone. We thrive Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. others, and so the co-regulation piece. How does that play into opening your nervous
1: system to Well, that yeah, yeah, it's such a beautiful piece of work, and I'm what's known as a super co-regulator, which is a a unexpected thing. Um. It's essentially why people feel safer with me, or indeed they might feel calmer or more relaxed, because our biologies are speaking to one another all the time, all the time. So our biologies have had a full conversation before either of us have even, even said hello, which is just so wonderful. Uh, we might name that, for example, you know, I, oh, I had a gut instinct about this person. I knew we'd get along or I knew we wouldn't get along. But what's interesting is that underneath those things is, for me, the more and more I study and in practice into co-regulation or indeed self-regulation. Again, I realize that every single biology, every single human is really looking for safer harbor. And considering we, we don't learn, we might not learn actually how to self-regulate for years and years. We certainly don't know how to do it at, until we're three-ish you know, baby and and young toddler really rely on the bodies that are around them for their biologies to support them in co-regulation, which is to say creating a sense of safety, and soothing and compassion, um, and being able to notice joy and goodness, um, and being friendly and loving and all these things are beautiful, beautiful benefits and indeed symptoms of co-regulated or a self-regulated nervous system but indeed if you're a person and you know this brings us to another quote that's often spoken about you know like you are the sum of the five people that you spend your time with that really irritates me it really irritates me for a lot of reasons but one of them is that what that doesn't explain is that if everyone around you is dysregulated i.e they don't feel safe or there's a lot going on or they have no capacity and no energy if they're perpetually in anxiety or depression or disconnection all states related to where the nervous system is it will be very very difficult for a person to remain cool or self-regulated amongst that so it doesn't that you are the sum of the five people that are around you it doesn't take any biology into any account whatsoever But if you know that everyone around you has an impact on your nervous system, that means that your nervous system is also having an impact on other people. And when particularly as we see with a lot of women, you know, I work with a lot of women who will say, I just don't trust other women. I find it really difficult to trust other women. You know, I prefer men. Really what in a way they're picking up on is a biological cue that is misunderstood. So, for example, what would it be like if when we picked up on a wiggliness, you know, sometimes in that solar plexus, your body reacts and I'm just opening, closing my hands for anyone that's listening, or there's a sense of, oh, gosh, I just got such a funny feeling about that person. Sometimes that can be because that person also isn't feeling safe and they too are really worried about something that's either happened or it could happen. Or how is this going to play out? Or maybe they've been hurt or maybe they've experienced things or how are they going to be able to trust anybody? You have two biologies that are speaking to one another on that level. It's not going to be harmonious. Mm. It is going to be tricky then we lay meaning on the top of that we start to say that person is such a blah 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 this person is such a so-and-so and And then we create all this meaning out of something which is ultimately that someone isn't self-sourced in themselves someone isn't self-regulated someone is feeling unsafe so then if you can become aware of that what is happening in your system could be yours But also it could belong to someone else. And this is also where what we have termed in more recent years, you know, empaths can often be so highly tuned to the biology of their biology, reading another person's biology, that it can really get in the way of their peacefulness. So it's not it is what I would want to say here is it is possible through again spending time with people who really are relaxed, who really are calm, who even when you know the shit is hitting the fan, they're like, oh, all right, there's some stuff going down. <laughs> okay, you know, I should lean into my tools. I'm gonna lean into my tools more. I'm gonna bring in more support. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead by example. I mean, yep, you know what, there, there's chaos here and I can still be a presence of love so again really bringing us back to holding the opposites and then when you can start to learn to uh to co-regulate as at any age especially as an adult who's learned a variety of strategies which may or may not be in service to you anymore and then you can start to come into a place where you might recognize oh I'm you know I'm feeling a little bit aroused and anxious or excited or tense or I like even my perfectionist driver has arrived what's a perfectionist driver it is a you know it is a nervous system that's on fast forward you know and again everything we've laid meaning on when I can come back home to me by doing something like giving myself just one minute of maybe staring out of this window and orienting to nature when I can look at this picture of someone I really love and that I know I felt safer with them When I can start to practice that I don't need to change my life all at once, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to reach out to Bunny or I'm going to reach out to you or I'm going to reach out to someone else. I, you know, they, they, yeah, even in thinking about reaching out to them, actually, my biology is already doing that. Okay. I'm already feeling like I'm coming back to myself. I'm already feeling like homeostasis is being connected to, I'm already feeling like all my biology is like, oh, wait, hang on. Here we are. We're here okay, this is okay. Oh yeah. And actually this is okay. And being okay is okay. Yeah.
0: How does you, you spoke of nature with that mm-hmm. and it, how does nature co-regulate? Cause nature would offer something to our nervous system as well. Yeah. Is that correct? Like the trees and kind of merging with their aura and their medicine and their magic with that play and co-regulating for us and and opening capacities as well well
1: absolutely absolutely and and it's why again you know the 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 more time we can spend in nature with nature remembering we are part of nature that absolutely that supports us in co-regulating it's why gardening is so good it's why getting our hands in the mud and the earth is so good you know there are things in the earth that we can't actually get into our system any other way but it's also through why the practice of what we call orienting from from a somatic coaching perspective is so important which is to to let the eyes wander i call it honeybee eyes this is not the technical term um but you know to let our honeybee eyes just wander from loveliness to loveliness to loveliness and when they land on something lovely just like the honeybee does you know they're just going to hang out with that flower for two seconds or five seconds or seven seconds before the magnificence of your meaning-making machine kicks in again. And then you move on to something else. And what is happening there, because our biology is so incredible, is there's lots and lots of things. But one of the main things is the body is always measuring its distance to everything and everyone else. And then we lay in the brain-mind, it's always trying to make meaning so it's time traveling from the past to the present to the future and then we're just feeling like we're being pulled and jostled and you know juggled and shuggled in, in all sorts of different directions but then when we can be in a place of orienting and we've also seen the you know the, the growth of the interest in forest bathing for example and certainly the return thank goodness of being barefoot You know for a lot of people that's never not been an everyday activity but to be barefoot in the earth again because there's there's things in the soil and the grass and the land that we just can't get from from any other type of nutrient so when we're slowing down and we're sipping and we're savoring on nature we're connecting with honeybee eyes orienting or what we're really doing is orienting to pleasure creating more capacity for a wee bit more joy which is enormous which is enormous it's also why when we're around animals, we can often feel so much better. It's also why you know a, a around join up with horses, for example, there can be so much recovery because there's no meaning making happening. There's just essentially a connection with another sentient being. The trees have been here, you know, longer than any of us, you know. And I, I have, you know, they probably don't feel ancient. They probably still feel like saplings as far as their lifetime is mm-hmm. concerned. But to us, we, I consider them these elders you know and there just is a sense of the fact that they they are so deeply rooted in who they are they're so deeply rooted in their comfort of shaking their leaves off and not fearing that they're so comforted and and confident and practiced in what the capacity is based on everything that that tree is you know listening for being in relationship to you know the mycelium undergrowth that just glows every time we walk atop it you know the mushrooms and the roots and the and the entire earth that's underneath our feet that we just have no idea what's going on down there you know that's talking to one another so the connection to nature you know the reconnection to nature as it can often be especially in times of isolation and especially in metropolises where it can be really, really difficult to even for people, people might, might not even have a house plant. you know, people might not even bring blooms or flowers into their homes. And those are some of the first pieces of medicine I would recommend. If you don't have a house plant, gift yourself one, you know, one that's really, really easy to look after as well. That could be something like an aloe vera plant, that could be something like a Japanese money plant, Um, spider plants are incredibly wonderful and they 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 create babies all the time you know but often people um can can forget about them and indeed they do feel forgotten but just this idea of being in loving partnership with a plant is to also create more loving partnership with yourself is to also create more loving partnership with with others and that reminds us that we too are nature, which is which is one of the wounds that we see in the world that it is forgotten. Um, our many of our species think we are completely separate from nature. Um, indeed, we are not. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, we definitely aren't. And what it spoke when you were speaking to that is that like embodied magic, nature mm-hmm. office that offers that so much when we like mm-hmm. root into the earth and. trees are speaking to us and there's conversations happening that are beyond what our, you know, what our mind can perceive or it's all Mm. happening beyond the the veil. Mm. And there's um, such magic in nature that we've been kept separate from or, you Mm. know, a lot of us have been. And that return to nature can be that awakening or activation of the magic that's within us and all around.
1: Mm. And something I said when I was teaching the other day, which sort of circles to our point around, you know, what what I am dreaming or we are dreaming is dreaming us, is I have this, um, um, we're surrounded by trees here. And so I have this great gift of in the mornings and, you know, essentially dawn and dusk, listening to the morning and evening choruses of the birds. But I just, I have this great joy or this romantic notion that in the times that the birds are quiet, they're sort of nudging one another and saying, oh, have you heard the humans are awake the humans are singing. Have you heard the human song today? Did you hear them? you know, and that they too might be listening to our chatter and 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 telling you know one another, oh, you know I heard this whispered in the wind from from the humans and or I heard that or I heard this and and that, that too can come from a place of joy and love and, and reconnection and reciprocity. Um, and that, you know, that that when we're in that place of also thinking about expanding our lived experience or our our lived um capacity for receiving, um, that actually we can always be giving, because then we'll always be given to you know, then we'll always be given to, you You know, the the lighting for me in ritual, for example, of the candle begins with the striking of the match, and the exchange even there is my presence, I'm fully present, it can sound like such a funny thing for people, but, you know, if anybody goes near candles with a lighter, I can be quite abrupt in saying, wait, wait, you know, let us do this with a match, let us do this slowly, let us do this with with an older type of fire an elemental connection and you know the exchange in the even in the striking of the match is my presence and then it's my patience because what i'm going to do is wait for that flame to grow a little before i ask it to do anything else <laughs> So that's really important in this conversation. I'm going to let in the striking of the match that flame grow a little, which is another way of saying I'm going to let it sustain itself before I whack it onto the wick of the candle and then blow it out. Because all of that is so quick. And yet there is the exchange of presence and patience in the striking of the match. There is the invitation to really allow that flame to grow and sustain itself. There's another pause between the flame and the wick. Then there's this beautiful symbolism of of one light becoming two. And as the candle flame takes light, there's the invitation there also for it to sustain and thicken. And I still have this magic in this hand, which I will not rush to blow out. And in fact, I will witness this art that's happening, this mystical act, also you know full of science and strategy and gorgeousness and then i'll hold that tiny wee piece of wood knowing that the exchange might also include my fingers being burnt so much do i want to hold that flame right until the end of its life and when i will get to watch it transform through all those colors red and orange and yellow to blue and sometimes that blackish purple then when the flame decides it's ready or indeed my fingers that's when I'll bring the element of air, again, even more air, and that will complete that entire being, that sentient being, that flame's existence, and yet somehow it left that echo that exists on the wick, Mm. so there is, as I give, I am given to, you know, and that is, that's a really beautiful, powerful presence to, you know, to practice ultimately as well, and to really, to liberate yourself from from the idea that that which we are wanting isn't already here, it, it, it is, and that there's other things that you are wanting and they can be here too, and that that which is wanting itself to come through you is is also here too, and that when we start to bring that reverence to everything, and indeed that's why I took reverend you know, as the title also with minister, is because I have a reverence for life and because there are these wee magical pauses between everything um, that remind me this is already here, the flame on the match, this is going to be here, the flame on the candle, I am an embodied participant in this, I am available to experience more of this as I give, so I am given to, as I want to receive, I create greater capacity for that which is already here, so then, and I ask in my prayers You know, remind me of what I have forgotten. Remind me of what I'm not seeing, and always remind me with ease and with grace. And may may always be so.
0: Mm, That spoke so beautifully to that, like just really slowing down and seeing the magic in the mundane. You know, we might think of lighting a match as like, oh, you know, no (laughs) big deal. There's so magic in that and just um, mm. meeting the steps and the cycles mm. and the natural flow of life, mm. as opposed to that, like maybe forcing or pushing or wanting it instantly, you know, mm. there's just so much in the, in between in all mm-hmm. the little phases or cycles. Beautiful. So how does money play into spirituality, into magic I think for myself, what I've seen in my own life and with clients kind of, there's nothing sacred about money. There's nothing spiritual Mm. about money. Mm. Um, We should only want what we need. That's the spiritual way. Um, And I know that's not truth. None of that Mm -hmm. is truth. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is money for you? And and what is the magic of money?
1: Mm you know in a way it hurts my heart to hear you talk about money in that way it's so interesting now and it hasn't always been like this and I I think that's really important um you know to mention I money and love are the same energy for me excuse me so money and love are the same energy for me they're the same they have the same presence and when I when I first started to explore hmm I wonder what would happen with money as I let more love in there there was this this really this um synchronicity of um of 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 money as well now there's a very important bridge here too which of course is increasing safety and increasing capacity which is which is why I was referring to earlier you know for me wealth work at any level at any level know wealth work money work is nervous system work is nervous system work because your body will have multiple lived experiences with the concept of money Uh, not even necessarily with money you know it will it will have lots of lived experiences and in order to transform that and to come to a place of resolution that um love is in the numbers too that will that gets to be a little bit of a quest that gets to that gets to have an exploration, you know, that gets to become something anew, you know, that gets to become something anew, knowing that um, there's so much to be altered within that relationship, for example, um, capitalism, and exchange of body and time for money, what's it like if it isn't that? What if if I get to the point where actually I understand money so much that I can create assets that I can live from that mean I have more time to actually be more in service and that can be at any level, that can be at any level, you know what would it, what would it be like to feel to feel not only safe with money but money and prosperity for me really are an essence they're quite an impress essence, and even the kind of queen of cups energy around that idea that um if I'm inviting money just in the same way that I'm inviting love to spend time with me what what do the guest rooms look like for those gorgeous energies and those very um and those very th- things that are made of matter or paper and jingle when it comes to money? You know, so my wallet, for example, is that a lovely guest room for money to come into? Can she get to her bed or is it full of receipts and, you know, coffee cards? Probably not so much these days. Maybe everyone had a good feng shui clean out of their of their wallet, you know. Um, Have I even ever introduced myself to money or is it just something that was sort of as it very often is? You know, it's just it's a it's a a commodity and energy, uh, a thing that we sort of have to handle and again, what were the, what was modelled, you know, what was modelled for people that have, um, it's really, really interesting. I see this at every level with my, with my clients, actually, if people are um, moving out of debt um, that, that has allowed them to, um, to stay alive, to educate themselves, to, to move from somewhere that wasn't safe to somewhere that's safer, you know, if they were, um, if they um, are inheritance um if they came into money through inheritance indeed if they came into money through, particularly through a lot of actors singer songwriters and um, entertainers that I work with sometimes rapid amounts of wealth can suddenly arrive nervous system isn't quite primed for that and that if that's you and you're listening and you've recently come into a windfall or an inheritance my first piece of guidance would you would be put it put it somewhere safe that you can't necessarily touch it for a good six to twelve months and then and then connect with someone that can support your nervous system you know to be able to do that and uh, similarly there can be a lot of people that I work with who were born really into a lot of wealth and a lot of prosperity and there's there can be as much judgment around that as you know not having money for example so it's a complex relationship but it is a relationship and that's what's really important for me it's another opportunity to introduce myself or indeed if you wanted to you know set an extra plate setting at the table put a put some currency you know um that belongs to the country that you currently call home um indeed or bank cards credit cards checkbook anything that represents money on a plate beside you um and have literally have dinner with it have a date with it you know look look at the paper look at the design what messages are in there because you know, there are so many symbols drawn and written into money um, and money for particularly women is still really, really new. You know, we've always been amazing at bartering and exchanging, but it wouldn't necessarily have been for money. It would have been for skills and food and all sorts of things and education and and indeed survival in many, many cases. Um You know, but actually, paper and jingle within our modern world, you know, even the 1970s, certainly in the the land of the UK, America, even Europe, you know, women had to go to the bank with a man to open a bank account. You certainly wouldn't have been allowed something such as a loan for educational purposes. You definitely wouldn't have been getting a credit card. You know, part of the first reason, like, think of it as the hedonistic years of the first round of sex in the city, was because really it was an expression of women being able to get what they wanted when they wanted but what happened was that nobody modeled or kind of got around them and said ah well there has to be a long-term relationship with this thing called money You're, you're actually going to be in this relationship for the rest of your life so let's set that up so it's going to be a really hospitable loving relationship and you're not going to think it's not sacred or you're not going to think it's bit you in the ass which is where my self-directed learning course you know prosperity unlocked comes in that's all about soothing the nervous system you know to create a place of prosperity so that you begin to create safety in developing a relationship with money because that's really the first part that's really the first part you know what even is money And then if we think about perhaps certainly through the lens that i'm coming through you know through the lens of um of spirit and science and strategy and somatics you know that which can be seen and cannot be seen the goddess is in money you know love is in the numbers too that's that's part of the 12-step recovery program you know love you know god god is in the numbers too god is in the numbers too so again, we get to come to this place of compassion and perhaps even some self-forgiveness around you don't know what you don't know. You perhaps didn't know archetypally that you could get to a place where there is more money than month. Again, circling back, if you were brought up that you always had to clear your plate, be very weird for you to save because you were told your whole life, don't leave anything. <laughs> you know, don't leave anything on your plate. But in fact, what the, the oldest of teachings, you know, um, they encourage us to have more than enough, you know, to spread bounty, to be bountiful, to be joyful. Um, you know, that exchange of services is really, really important, that money has an essence. Lynn Twist is a really beautiful teacher that talks about this. One of the best moneymakers I know on the planet, Mother Teresa. She was an absolute genius when it came to money. The money that moved through her hands, millions and millions and millions of pounds and dollars, millions, you know, and that she was a custodian of a huge amount of wealth, an enormous amount of wealth. You know, so again, there's just something here. There's an invitation in money work in, you know, um, and in the wealth work for women to even consider, oh, maybe I don't have a relationship with money. I could begin there you know or even i wonder what it would be like to be friendly towards money i'm I, because for me one of the things that came up was i was actually really i was really frightened of hurting money because i associated money with the women in my family and i didn't want to hurt them i didn't want to hurt them and that imposed itself onto my relationship with money and so that was just such a beautiful teaching you know or i had i had other you know experiences where you know through some difficult years um you know my um my carers you know the people the adults around me they they used my pocket money to pay for bills and to pay for groceries so then I just thought you know that adults would come along and take my money and then that I brought that with me into adulthood so what that actually translated as was that and I'm not the adult in the room when it comes to conversations about money so then I would default to someone else that I thought looked more like an adult even as an adult but then when I recognized that I got to come into my sovereignty and think oh hang on if I'm not the adult in the room talking about my money who is yeah. and you know who is oh wait it is me oh it is me wait a minute I'm gonna need some support some guidance some counselling some encouragement around this and then I got to also bring my little one and you know do some really practical things like I I still have a bank account now for my inner child and what my inner child doesn't know what to do with like shitloads of money she's like 10 bucks she's like oh my god you know this is amazing so there's also recognizing that too that sometimes when it comes to women especially women being frightened of big numbers I would offer not always but often the case that it's because what could a five-year-old hold when it comes to pocket money? Not a lot. Very different amounts to what we can hold when it comes to, you know, priority bills, rent, mortgage, groceries, you know, taxis, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's just a beautiful thing there. We get to create a relationship with money. We get to create a relationship with a part of ourself that doesn't know what that is yet we get to just check out what some of the modeling was around us and there's still money within women is a very quiet conversation you know it's still quite quiet because you know we're still trying to suss it out teachers like me are definitely you know kind of coming more and more through and it's so gentle and quiet and private that that there's sacredness in that too to so there's sacredness in honoring the little one There's sacredness in honouring all of the women who passed gold coins, whether that was in a headdress or a piece of jewellery or a sixpence that went on the shoe of a woman that was getting married. All these clever, clever ways women had of passing money and wealth to one another. You know, whether that is in a family having art, but actually they don't have cash or whether it's people having cash, but they don't have assets, or whether it's really simply just someone being like, for the love of God, I just want to feel okay with the 20 bucks I've got in my wallet it's all the same thing it's all the same thing you know and the nervous system stuff we've talked about will help and of course you know there's there's you know to think that you're in a relationship with yourself for your whole life and the one other thing you're guaranteed to be in a relationship your whole life with is money so let's make it a really gorgeous one you know let's make it a really really beautiful one
0: yeah I love that a practice (laughs) that I bring in is like if I thought about my lover, the way I think about money, would he stick around? Uh, so yeah. it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so how can I shift that to yeah. cultivate a more beautiful money or beautiful relationship with money because money does offer so much, you know, yeah. there's such magic and and beauty to it. And mm. when we cultivate that relationship and I believe the book, Lynn Twist's book, is that the soul of money?
1: Yeah. Yeah the soul of money yeah yeah and I love the oldies people like um Florence Chauvel Shin you know Florence was writing around 1890 to maybe 90 without Florence no Louise Hay you know it's really interesting there's some there's some stuff that goes way back but indeed even the way Mary Magdalene Mary Magdalene was one of the wealthiest women on the planet both in yeah yeah both in mysticism and in coin in in witcher style gold coin you know uh, you were really tossing a coin um, she was she was the great custodian of all of Jesus's wealth it is why they could move an enormous amount of people around from place to place that took huge support huge financial support to feed 14 people you know donkeys transportation you know advising taxis you know, um Jesus uh, obviously being you know Jewish, they loved paying taxes, paid the ten percent, the tithes, you know, first, paid the payment to God first, ten percent to the greatness that cannot be seen distributing the rest amongst the people, you know. This is this is a great practice of Judaism, always tithing, something I practice to you. Anything that comes in ten percent goes straight to the goddess first. That could be to teachers that I love, that could be to trees that I plant. That could be that you know that's separate also from donations, um, and for me able being able to support or offer scholarships. But and this is what money gets to give us. It gets to means there's more food in the cupboard for everybody. So if unexpected guests arrive, you can feed them, you know. But yeah, and again, there's a there's a learning, you know. And if it hasn't been modeled or spoken about, it's difficult to find. So. Um, no I would really offer here like for especially for women but for for everyone you never did anything wrong you spent money if you if there's debt that again allowed you to do different things that's a beautiful thing that's a beautiful thing and perhaps you just simply might be in a place where you're curious about bringing that into a little bit more balance where there's more coming in than going out what would that be like and then there might be a lot more coming in then going out and then you get to decide where that's distributed to and every time you do that and you send it with the presence of love and intention and reciprocity it does something magical too it's why i pay my taxes and in the uk we also have vat i pay them with great joy i like the candles i get the beautiful music on i've got my lovely lingerie on i'm writing those checks happily 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 i'm affecting the systems from the way in which my nervous system is regulated and I pay for those bills and that's that's really how we also begin to change the world you know one one check at a time and then all the money that comes back to me I imagine it coming back with all that love and joy too you know including things like clients who suddenly say hey I want to send you money for a scholarship I got so much out of working with you I want to pay for someone else to be able to do that that's 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 biology to biology nervous system to nervous system prayer to prayer you know and and money is a walking prayer too she's a beautiful beautiful thing um and just right there like a loving beacon waiting to be chosen like you know i'm right i'm here and you got to date for a while and you got to understand what your dating profile is before you begin that relationship so easier and easier and softer and softer I always say
0: yeah that spoke to me of that what your heart's yearning for is or what your heart is dreaming of is dreaming of you
1: yeah totally same same with yeah that's so yeah yeah Mm yeah
0: what is saging I've, I've heard you use that term on Instagram and I believe it's you know women aging and I am in my 40s as well and it's felt like such an initiation um and I I feel like that's something women are reclaiming the wisdom that comes with aging and letting go of of maiden and all that Mm. beautiful aspects of life but um Mm. standing in the sovereign self with aging Mm. and the beauty that comes with it so for you what is aging
1: Mm. yeah yeah, well, for it's so interesting. There's, um, I've noticed at the moment, just as a little prequel to this, there are some really delicious adverts, um, for essentially older people, and I mean people who are kind of retired. So, um, it doesn't mean you have to rush out and buy any of these things. This isn't what I'm suggesting, but Magnum ice cream just brought out an advert about I think is it called the pleasure palace or something like that and it's like a retirement home for the coolest freaking looking older people you've ever seen in your entire life like they are in these gorgeous suits and beautiful robes and this just this delight in vibrant aging you know similarly I think there was something for for holidays um oh just really great <clears throat> again older people you know just people who are the gray and the silver and the wisdom and the wrinkle and the sun kiss and the laughter and the life is all being celebrated and and that for me is this invitation around saging not aging uh, what well, we are aging and I think that's really important but it's this idea that because I'm aging I don't devalue you know because I don't dye my hair I don't devalue because my body is changing I don't devalue in fact my value goes up my value goes up um so this um being initiated into elderhood and you know uh, and enjoying the privilege of aging and aging well to aging with vibrancy aging with um elasticity or plumpness of cheeks or um you know grace and ease of being able to get up and move around and not being on medications and any of these things these are all a great privilege and indeed they're something that can be partnered with with too so for me this idea of saging is really honoring um that which particularly in the west can just suddenly get ignored you know can just be ignored. Marion Woodman told a story of how on her 40th birthday uh, she went to hail a cab and couldn't hail one in New York and it was and it she felt it was as if she had physically disappeared somehow overnight between her being 39 to 40 and that she carried that in her almost as an expectation that that's what would happen and for me, I've had experiences where, you know, there was an older lady in front of me, she must have been in her 60s, maybe her early 70s um, in a coffee shop. And the barista just did not see her and came straight to me. And rightly so, this this woman who must have experienced it over and over and over again, just blew up, you know, at, at the guy and and kind of blew up at me. And I was like, hey, I was just about to say this lady's before me what would you like and she was so shocked you know by my seeing her that she emotion left her and she cried for a little bit you know and she was like I'm just so sick of being ignored and I was like I bet you are I was like I was like that must be so frustrating you know do you do you want to sit down and have the coffee together and and she was just like oh like no I didn't mean and I was like yeah I know you didn't mean and I was like but listen I was like you're going to be further along the line. I'm going to be where you are. Someone's going to be where I am. And I was like, there's always going to be this guy, <laughs> you know, who might not see us. And I was like, so we we could kind of change that. We could, we're changing that right now. You know, we're changing that right now. And and that, that in it and of itself is one of those beautiful moments of synchronicity. It's one of those places of being where we can use our voice. It's one of those places where we can support elders. In a way that they might not be you know expecting to be supported um you know often our grannies and grandpas and things there can be this thing where grandchildren are like oh, the rolling of the eyes do i really have to go and see them but what i would offer is don't let the elders pass and it become the clearing of the house of your beloved grandparents that you suddenly realize they were wickedly cool people with all of these amazing interests and and you know extraordinary lives lived like we don't have to wait for people to die to have that relationship you know what it's this it's we can be in our vibrancy now and certainly in the years of perimenopause you know kind of maybe 42 44 in the next 7 years things can happen sooner or later there there is this extraordinary amount of energy that's also needed for that transition for women And so the more we talk about it, the more we have an open conversation, the more we can be born into menopause and then post menopause, resourced, co-regulated, respected, guided, being, you know, being a guide for future generations to come as well you know, I often, I've said for years and years, I think I'll get further into the mountains as as the moons pass, and people will be like, you know, I think Bunny might still be alive, like, if you can find her in the mountains, you can probably break bread and have tea with her, Um, and, you know, and that's the saging part of it, that we're, you know, we're no longer bleeding for the village, or having to release so much, that there's a potency of build-up of wisdom and knowledge, and the library of goodness and experience that comes with us there's there is the archetype of the maiden within us and when she's healthy it's our creativity and spontaneity there is you know that cherishing mother that's in there and there's also you know the healing of what we might think of as the death mother or the monster feminine where in fact isn't that just a a child who never learned to self or co-regulate, that never learned loving bonding strategies, and that just felt bereft her whole life. And so then attacks beauty, as we talked about earlier. So the saging invitation is to see ourselves um, and to really enjoy those conversations. You know, I'm often asked if I've had Botox, I'm almost 44 and I I haven't, and it's it's not something, um it's not something that interests me you know what I have is now I have a really loving relationship with my body and and all of that comes out you know I have a really healthy heart all of that shines through you know there's all sorts of things I have the privilege through um you know a growing business of being able to look after myself better and better you know it's like uh, it's we're once upon a time money went on one thing as a maiden, now it goes on things that really can't be seen, you know, there are things that I drink and I eat good water, you know, good bathing, good products, all these things, you know, that treat the planet well too, so, so to say just to, um, to embrace the privilege of ageing you know and to support other people and when you see you know kind of anything shitty happening with elders of any kind people being ignored or people being shouted at I was out with my mother the other day and this woman was yelling at her and I was like she's just like she's not deaf (laughs) you know she's Mm -hmm. just she's older than I am you know I'm just like stop yelling at her you know I was like if she was deaf she would tell you believe me you know it's just these kind of things that start to happen in our society but yeah, how could we do it differently? How could we honor that moonlight as much as we do the sunlight, right? That's what the grays and the silvers are. They're the moon wisdom. They are the moon wisdom. You know, once upon a time everyone was putting sun in in their hair for it to be lighter in the west and doing terrible things, you know. Now I'm like bring on the I would like, yeah, I look forward to discovering there's another moon ribbon or a wisdom ribbon, you know, on my head. It's a it's a beautiful privilege.
0: Yeah. It feels like that, that radiance coming through you because yeah, in love and beauty mm-hmm. and pleasure mm-hmm. and just lit up by life. And that can be so felt when a woman yeah. is in her joy and just love mm. from within. Yeah. So beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Uh, with um, synchronicity, do you mm. have a story that you could share around mm. synchronicity? And yes, I'm excited to hear this.
1: <laughs> yeah well one of my most I mean I've that I've had a lot of wonderful and weird experiences you know I'm just speaking about that lady earlier was one you know that like kind of being in the right place at the right time but then also um that um I had an amazing experience where so a woman got in touch with me and the way she got in touch to work with me was that she had been I can't even remember. Let's say it was Birmingham in the UK, big city. She'd been in the city. She hadn't been feeling great. She was feeling a little bit despondent. She um, wanted something to be different. She and her partner had parked in a car park. They'd kind of gone for a wander and a walk. They come back to the car park and where a car had been was just a phone. And for some reason, the phone was unlocked and she could get into it. And the first thing that she saw on the phone was my newsletter. I can't quite remember what newsletter it was but I'm pretty positive it would have been talking about the joy of love and connection and being supported and encouraged and that we don't have to do this alone so from that newsletter on a stranger's phone in a strange car park that they never parked in on a day that she wasn't feeling brilliant she subscribed to my newsletter and then she set up a connection call and the rest as they say is history but it was just such an incredible thing, like of all the gin joints in all the towns, you know, that she could have been in a place and that and whoever this person's phone was that I will admit I didn't transpire to see, that she too was a reader of my work and already in the community. And so, you know, that the the, the angels, the guides, the unseen are working in all sorts of extraordinary ways. Um, that we could just absolutely say, Oh, that was, you know. Coincidence, but what's a coincidence or a synchronicity of not a prayer answered? Mm. And so it just it still brings me, It still, I still get goosebumps just thinking about it. It was just such a fantastic experience. Um, yeah. and then when we did meet and you know, and we did work together, it was just it was it was amplified because of the bonkersness of how you know that how that had come about. She had prayed. And then an open phone had arrived and then she, you know, she returned the phone. She got in touch with me. Beautiful. Oh, I love that.
0: I love that. And it's like, when we ask for miracles, they, they come, you know, and they just reveal themselves. They're always all mm-hmm. around, but I feel like when we ask for them, we're open to seeing them, mm-hmm. you know, our eyes are really open. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're mm-hmm. so all around us all the time. And synchronicities are just those living miracles and magic mm-hmm. that, um, is so woven into the tapestry mm. of this earth oh I love that story thank you for sharing you're welcome what has been your biggest lesson along the way my biggest lesson
1: along the way mm. right now today in the day that we're in I would say my biggest lesson has been that our strategies can change and that I get to experience myself and other people differently, you know, differently. And that is an extraordinary thing, that it isn't a lack thought, that I don't have an upper limit, that it is not something that I'm just going to have to live with that it's not about me changing my mindset, but that there is a biological pathway in me, a strategy which developed probably at a very young age. And if I didn't understand that, I would just keep living. Again, we might use the word pattern or pathway here, that same thing over and over again. And yet, I found myself so devoted to relationship, my relationship with myself, my relationship with others, and other people's relationships to other people. You know, that's really all of my work. That I got to fall so far down the hole of spirit that I met somatic science. And then this other tunnel, this other gift appeared of strategy, and that, that they could get married. And that my biggest lesson is that I can choose again and again, and I can choose differently and that I can do things differently and that I can order what I want and I can order something new that I haven't tried before. And I can make up my body mind from there.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's powerful. It feels mm. like you've permission to change your mind. Yeah. choose a different pathway and it's all Mm. perfect Mm. how do you experience the mysteries
1: Mm. how do I experience the mysteries in so many ways in so many ways in very magical ways waking up and smelling lilies and there is none in the house you know and a visitation from um from whomever uh that might be from for me that's very much as a has a Jesus connotation or a or a you know or finding a red thread and knowing that that's Mary Magdalene, you know very um, I as what I used to think of as the very human signs, you know, the feathers, the bird songs, um, love letters arriving from people unexpectedly, but perhaps there was part of me that was already expecting it. And these days, I experience the mystery. Also as signs from my own body and my own being, you know, um, a beautiful cup of coffee for me is a heart opener, you know, leading to that sensation of expansiveness that can only last so long and that's important because the in-breath is needed too. You know, but the mystery might come to me as an idea from the news, or in you know, very, that very often happens. Um, I'm a big water baby, so salt baths or salt cauldrons as I consider them, um, you know, something's gonna arrive. Because why? Because I've created a space of safety or something feeling safer. I'm self-regulated, I'm soothing, I'm relaxed, I'm calm. So then I can hear the mystery. In a way that I can't when I'm being 100% human, right? Running around from A to B to Z, doing all the things, being all the people, wearing all the hats, and the superhero capes and all these different types of things. So I experience the mystery in those in betwixt moments, you know, on waking, before sleeping, dreaming, bathing, pausing, orienting to nature, before taking that first sip of tea, the strike of the mat. This conversation. There's never, what I've realized over the years is that um, it really is the teeny tiny. The teeny tiny things are not teeny tiny. They're a kind of a constant movement from one lily pad to the next. They're a beautiful dance with that which can't be seen. But, you know, life is always flirting with us. And really, it's about whether we'll flirt or wink back. And I just do find myself in a, in a great love affair with life and she delights me, she romances me, you know, and now I'm delighting her, now I get to romance her replace a place of conscious collaboration. It's in, it's in all those wee soft spaces uh, that can be filled with all sorts of sensation and emotion, there can be, you know, I can be moved to tears by apparently nothing, but that's something in my body, that's a sign. Just of something, I don't need to lay any more meaning over it. You know, I often have that with clients too. Clients will say, Oh gosh, I'm really struggling not to cry. And I'll say, Don't struggle. Cry. You know, gift your tears to this conversation. They want to be part of it too. You know, they want to be part of it too. And again, that freedom that there can be in that space. I often encourage people to also to open their mouth when they cry, not to close and tighten. You know, and so many people say, no one's ever asked me to open my mouth like that before. It's like very gently, very softly, if it feels good, if it feels safe, you know, allow that inhale and that exhale. We must have the contraction too there's too much in the zeitgeist about opening yourself for expansion. It's too much for our biology. We're born on an exhale, and then and, you know then we take our inhale. We have to come out of the orgasm at some point, right? You can't live there forever. It's the, contract, the in and the out, the, you know, the flow of the water to the shore, from the shore, to the shore, from the shore. If you're going to expand, please contract also. You know, and then expand again and then contract also. You're just looking for a wee bit of light through the window, increasing that window of tolerance for joy and for goodness. All those things matter.
0: Beautiful. Uh, flirt, flirting with the world. I feel like I'll go out and flirt with the world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See what
0: happens with the rest of yeah. my day. But it just brings such a different energy to yeah. with life and, and that curiosity I love that. and mm-hmm, wonder. Mm-hmm. Mm, how do you root into the self?
1: Mm. Well, so much now that comes from a lot of the practices that we've spoken about today, rooting into the self again I can't help but wonder if I'm never not rooted anymore perhaps if I feel unrooted it's that the brain mind has taken me on a time traveling experience you know which isn't another way of saying perhaps I don't feel so much in my body which is another way of saying perhaps I am you know dysregulated I'm kind of out of my homeostasis my balance my harmony so some of those things that I spoke of orienting, you know, honeybee eyes, looking looking to nature, um, remembering always, which might sound strange, but you know, I am I am the blink of an eye, certainly even looking at this tree that I'm looking at outside beyond my laptop. And that's very grounding. <laughs> that's very sobering. You know, I I, w- I will be a wink in this tree's existence. You know, I really will be i will be an inhale in this tree's existence. That's pretty grounding too. There are also things, often um, a slow wash of my hands, for example, you know, can be a very specific um, time-oriented task that can really bring me back to myself. If I'm if I'm feeling ungrounded, and what ungrounded means for me is I am I am trying to go in a multitude of directions all at once and I'm just gonna have to pick one highway (laughs) you know I'm gonna have to go left or or go right so orienting yeah staring at nature writing writing a love letter you know coming back to myself cleaning dusting very very human things getting my broom which I have sweeping the kitchen you know clockwise moving everything around to actually get the the dust that's they are very human very human things doing the dishes you know being and really noticing the meditation of the moving from dirty to soapy to clean you know get to use those again get to use those again um and then yeah ritual and ceremony sometimes but but it can often be that all of those things I've just talked about are to prepare you know for for that um And sometimes it can be as simple as watching some telly. You know what I mean. I love a bit of murder. She wrote murder, death, kill genre as I refer to it, but murder she wrote, a bit of Poirot, you know, a bit of um, Agatha Christie, uh, something very, very human to remind me that I am, I am as much that as I am spirit. Mm,
0: yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to add to this beautiful conversation before we close? Mm.
1: I would offer the invitation that you've already done enough today by listening to this. You don't need to do anything else, that your spiritual work is done. (laughs) And that you can take a wee bit of that magic with you and really liberate yourself from thinking it has to be a 24 7 job to somehow transfer something which you feel like it has to change. But to do that from a place of when you're resourced and happy and it feels easy. But this is plenty this is plenty for today you can go about your humanness and know that um enough has been done and now you get to be
0: Mm, i love that
1: sometimes we can
0: get addicted for lack of other word to personal development and feel like we have to constantly do more and more and more and more and it's like no just this is enough just be Yeah. so beautiful thank you and it'll be in the show notes where everybody can experience bunnies magic so thank you so much for being on the show love. it was so beautiful
1: my pleasure my joy thank you so much and thanks to everyone for listening
0: thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the phoenix rising podcast please like share download subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and i will see you next week for another episode on the phoenix
1: rising podcast sending so much love